sometimes we sing these songs together, hear these offertories, and I just read the words, and I'm just amazed at how good our God is, you know, that in the midst of, of everything going on, taking care of his children, he said, I'll do that myself. Uh, I'll take care of them. And uh, what, just what a, what a blessing, what, what a blessing it is to be a believer, to, to be a Christian, and to have our Heavenly Father who looks after us. We're going to be in uh, Mark chapter 10. So we, uh, we'll be finishing up Mark chapter 10 today. If you do have your Bible, if you would join me in, in turning there. We've been going through this account as uh, Jesus has really been describing these, these different events and, and really what we could say is preparing disciples. He has been getting the disciples ready and those who are following him for, for what's ahead. Uh, because at this point in time, he is making a beeline straight for Jerusalem for the Passover, knowing that the cross is coming. And, and you know, before this, they're bouncing around from place to place. They're going from town to town. He's teaching, he's training, and leading them along the way. But at this point in time, Jesus is headed straight for Jerusalem. Because he, he's, coming, he, he's going there to fulfill what he came to do. He, he's going there to die on the cross for the sins of the world. And, and so this is really what, what we, uh, this section that we're going to look at beginning in Mark 10, verse 46, is uh, the end of the first part of Mark's gospel. Uh, the second part is where we move into Jerusalem and, and all of the events leading up to the, the crucifixion and beyond. And so uh, here, Mark 10, verse 46, if you'd follow along with me as I read this aloud. They came to Jericho. And he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they call the blind man and saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garments, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What will thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith had made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Lord, bless the reading of his word this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we consider this passage this morning, we pray that you would guide our hearts. May we be sensitive to your leading. Father, instruct us. Father, may we be willing to apply truth to life. Father, may we accept your word. It's true. And Lord, we pray that as we consider the example of this one man, a blind man, who yet had faith, may we be challenged all the more what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the... We mentioned it before, but Jesus on this point is on a beeline to Jerusalem. He's ready to go to the cross. He is, knows what he was called to do, and that's what's coming next. But in the midst of this, throughout that entire process, Jesus is teaching the disciples what it looks like to be a Christian, what it looks like to be one of his followers. 
And he's done that through a series of various lessons along the way. Um, And that focus on discipleship has led us to now what we might call an example. An example of somebody who who is demonstrating what Jesus is calling his his followers to look like. And, And in this case, it comes from an unusual place. A blind beggar on the side of the street. Think about that for a moment. This is someone who is, is cast aside by society. He, he speaks and, and even those around them say, quiet down, be quiet. And here's Jesus saying, let him come to me. In the midst of fulfilling the responsibility that he had to die for the sins of the world, Jesus still had time for this one who was crying out to him. But Bartimaeus also provides for us the example of what a model disciple looks like. I, I don't know about you, but uh, instructions can sometimes be difficult. Uh, you know, I don't know if you've ever got anything from Ikea before, uh, but it's not always easy. It can be a challenge at times. And uh, you read the manual, you read the things, what it tells you to do, and, and, and it's, it, it can be, well, I, I don't know, is that, a, is that a part G or a part J? And you, you're going through all these things, and, you know, you get, you get it together, whatever the item is you're putting together, and then you realize, oh, no, that was the part for over here, and I put it in wrong, and you have to take it all apart. And it can be frustrating. But, but, you know, one of the things that helps that's even better, I think, than an instruction manual is um, YouTube. YouTube videos, they're tremendous. I can't tell you how many parts on my car that I have fixed because of YouTube videos. And uh, uh, Danny Gore and I sometimes will work in the, the church during the week. And, uh, you know, and, and I say, well, you know, with the Lord, uh, Danny and me and YouTube, we, we could, we, we'll take care of whatever's that. You know, we'll, we'll figure it out. And uh, what is it? It's a model, right? It provides a model for you. You can actually go on there and you can watch somebody who's a lot smarter than you are take care of the job. And you say, well, okay, I, maybe I can mimic what they're doing. Right? That, that they, are, they are modeling for you the right way to take on a task or do, do a job. And, and really, that's kind of the, the blessing here. We have, we have somebody who is, is demonstrating what discipleship looks like. And Jesus specifically calls him out for, for that purpose. So... Let's look at verse 46 together. It says, They came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, uh, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. Now, Matthew notes in this account there's more than one beggar, but uh, Bartimaeus gets called out specifically here in Mark. Perhaps he was the loudest. It says here uh, later that he was the one crying out. Uh, why would there have been these beggars on the side of the highway at this time? Well, we, we certainly see folks asking for money on street corners all the time in our local area, right? That's a common sight in this area. Um, but if you notice something, the, the sites where they are located are not the side streets, right? They're the main thoroughfares. There were big roads cross each other. Why? Because that's where a lot of traffic is happening. And why would there have been folks out begging in Jericho at this time along the street, and, and not just one, but, but many there? Well, it's Passover, and people are, are taking that road to Jerusalem at that time. So there's a lot of traffic going on. And so if you're blind and you're not able to work in a, in a conventional job, 
and you are, you are limited to begging for your funds, this would have been the time to be there. Right? This would have been the time. We, we could say it's holiday traffic. I mean, folks were coming into Jerusalem at this time. The highways would have been filled. It was a, a busy road. So in the midst of that, verse 47, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth speaking to Bartimaeus here, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. So Bartimaeus, in the midst of his begging, says that there's something more important going on here. Jesus is coming. This is Jesus of Nazareth. This is the one I have, have heard about. Not only that, he believed in Jesus. This, this language here, he, he calls out to Jesus and he cries out. He says, Jesus, thou son of David. What's that mean? He thought that Jesus was the Messiah. That term, son of David, is a messianic title. It, it was the... the what they were looking for, the Jews were looking for in the coming Messiah. They knew he would be from the lineage of David. How do we know that? In 2 Samuel 7, I'm going to read just a couple of verses for you. Verse 8 says, Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep, to be a ruler over my people, over Israel. Skipping ahead there in 2 Samuel 7 to verse 12, it says, And when the days be fulfilled, thou shalt... Sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. How long? Forever. Verse 16 in that same chapter goes on. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever was David's throne going to be established forever? Well, uh, an offspring of David would be the Messiah. That offspring was Jesus Christ. Bartimaeus understood that. And so when Jesus is walking down the road, this is not just some other Jesus. This is just not some, some you know, guy who draws crowds. This is not somebody who's just popular. No, no, this is the son of David. This is the Messiah. This is the one who has been promised. This is the one who have, will have an eternal reign. And so he's crying that out. Jesus, you are the one who will reign forever. You are the one who's the Messiah. And who's the one who understands that? The blind man on the side of the road. See, anybody can get saved. It doesn't matter your status in society. Anybody can get saved. Anybody who believes can be saved. Anybody who trusts in Jesus as the Messiah and recognizes his death on the cross for their sins can be saved. Bartimaeus believed that Jesus was the Messiah. There was a second thing he understood about Jesus. He knew that Jesus was merciful. The end of verse 47, after he cries out and says, Jesus, thou son of David, he says, have mercy on me. When you think about God, when you think about who he is, when you think about his attributes, is mercy one of those things that just pops out in your mind? It ought to be. You know, even, even here in the book of Mark, as we went through this study together, back at, uh, toward the beginning, there was the maniac of Gadara. You probably remember it more because this was somebody who was demon-possessed. And the demon described its name as legion, for we are many. Okay, so that's the context. After Jesus cast out those demons in Mark 5, 19, 
It says, Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and had had compassion on thee. That word there is mercy. You know what? When this, this individual was, was ripping themselves, literally harming themselves, in the midst of demon possession, Jesus had mercy on him. One of the first things that should always come to our mind about our God is that he is merciful. If you are a Christian, you're not a Christian today because of anything that you have done. You're a Christian today because you're a recipient of God's mercy. He showed mercy to you. First Peter chapter 2, verse 10 says, Which in time past were not a people, speaking about Israel here, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. What happened? God is merciful. And so if we're a believer today, we're a recipient of God's mercy. That, that ought to be an attribute of God that, that we claim and, and cling to. Bartimaeus had an understanding. He said, this Jesus who's coming, he's the Messiah. He's the son of David. He believed it. Not only that, he looked at him and he believed. He said, and he is merciful. He is one who will show mercy. Verse 48 goes on. Many charged him, that's those around Bartimaeus, that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Imagine this man being on the side of the road. He can't see. He, he doesn't know exactly how far away Jesus is. And, and he's, he's crying out, screaming out, so much so that he's upset all those around him. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And what's their response? Yeah, he is the merciful one. Go to him. No, no. Be quiet. Stop being so loud. You're disturbing everybody. You're making too much noise. It's got a, you know, we, we almost, we kind of, with the COVID restrictions, as we had more kids in here, right, we, we kind of got used to a little more noise. I kind of think that's a good thing, personally. I think having a little more noise is a good thing. You know, and, and, and any parent with a child in, in a setting like, like this understands how difficult that can be at times, right? As, as they want to talk and they want to say, hey, quiet down, quiet down, right? And, you, and you're, you're saying this, like, and, and then their response is, yeah, but Bobby, I just, it, everybody hears it, right? I mean, that's, that's what happens. I mean, you, you can count it that, uh, you know, folks over there, they give them that look, right? We, we just need to get rid of that look. Right? I'm, I'm thankful for COVID for that. There's a little less of that look going on. Right? That's a good thing. Jesus loved children. He called the children to him. And, and, and here, is, here is Bartimaeus, and he is acting out in childlike faith. And he doesn't care who hears him. He doesn't care who's around him. It's him, and it's his Savior. It's him, and it's the Messiah. And, and that's who he wants to get to. That's who he wants to hear him. And anybody else, he's not concerned about it. He's got one thing on his mind. And it doesn't matter who tries to say, be quiet. He's just going to keep crying out. Verse 49 goes on. And Jesus stood still. Does that mean Jesus heard him? Jesus heard his cry. 
And he commanded him to be called. Bring him to me. And they called the blind man. Said unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. Verse 50, He casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Now, let's think about that for just a minute. If you've got, you got a coat on, and you're blind, and you're standing out on the side of the road day after day, that coat's pretty important. That's, that's pretty valuable. To having something to cover up with, that is something that's very, very valuable. And, and I don't know if you have looked around in our area where you see homeless folks uh, on the street or different places. A lot of times, a coat will be with them. It can be 90 degrees outside, and that coat is with them. Why? Because it means a whole lot to them. Right? It is very, very valuable. What did Bartimaeus do? Here's the Savior. Here's, his, here's Jesus. Here's the Messiah. Jesus called him. He takes that coat and he just throws it off. Now, okay, if, if you have sight, maybe you would do that, perhaps. Okay, I'll put it over here. I'll go to Jesus and I'll come back and get it. But if you're blind, that's a whole other thing. How do you know where that coat goes? How do you know that somebody didn't take it from you while you're gone? Bartimaeus knew that he was going to the Messiah. And he knew that he was going to a God who is merciful. And he knew that he was going to leave as a blind man. And he'd be able to return as a man with sight. Even before he ever talked to Jesus face to face. That was his faith. Verse 51, Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight. And follow Jesus in the way. Bartimaeus knew what was going to happen. And he hadn't even talked to Jesus yet. That word there, that language, when it talks about his healing in verse 52. It says, thy faith hath made thee whole. That, that word there literally is the exact same word that we use for saved. That, that is the exact same word that we use for salvation. If somebody gets saved, right, that same word is used here. And, and it can be used to describe somebody who has a physical affliction, who, who gets healed, right? that, that they are made whole. Uh, we've seen this before. If you remember back to the woman with the issue of blood, this woman had, was bleeding for 12 years. And Mark 5.28, she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. That, that word there is the same one that's used for salvation. I'll be saved. I, I will be taken care of. It, it has not just the physical component, right? Certainly there is the physical healing, but there's also salvation in the sense of, of actually being saved. We, we see the same word used, Acts 4, verse 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none of the name of heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. What's going on here? This physical healing, this blind man, Bartimaeus, who is physically healed, 
is actually providing an illustration for what already happened on the inside. See, long before that day, Bartimaeus had, had said, this Jesus of Nazareth, he is the son of David. He is the Messiah. I am trusting in him. I am looking to him. And he is merciful. And he will have mercy on me. And then finally, Jesus is in his presence. He, he hears of him coming down the road. And he cries out to him. Although he was saved long before that day, now he cries out to him once again and Jesus provides healing. He provides a physical look, a physical demonstration for what had already happened inside Bartimaeus' heart long before. How do you know that he got saved? Well, first of all, he, he understood who Jesus was. Right? He cried out to him as the son of David. And then also he does what saved people do. Verse 52, at the end of that, immediately he received a sight. And what happened? He followed Jesus in the way. He did what saved people do. They follow after Jesus. You know, those who are born again, what do they do? They follow Jesus. That's what they do. He's their savior. They follow after him. Mark 8 Back in Mark chapter 8, verse 34 says, When he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. What's it saying? Those who trust in Christ as Savior, what do they do? They become followers of Jesus Christ. They follow him. Just like Bartimaeus did on the road. See, that's what believers look like. They're those who follow after Jesus. And I know that sounds simple, but it, it, it's amazing how difficult that is. Uh, a lot of people will, will come to Christ for salvation, and then they're just left wondering, well, what is next? Well, the Bible gives a pathway. It gives instruction. It shows what being a disciple looks like. John 10, verse 27 and 28, Jesus is speaking. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So, well, how do you know it's his sheep? Well, he said, I know them. So Jesus knows who they are. How do we know who they are? Well, they follow me. They follow him. Do you want to know who the sheep are that belong to the shepherd? Look for those who are walking behind him. Those are the shepherd's sheep. He said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. That's who Jesus' sheep are. That's how you know them. You don't follow after Jesus in order to become a believer. You become a believer, and then you follow after Jesus. Here's what that means. If we were to go to the average person who doesn't know the Lord out on the street corner and say, well, you need to follow after Jesus... Most of them are going to say, what are you talking about? Why in the world would I do that? But you introduce them to Jesus and you say, this is Jesus who died on the cross for your sins. He died that you may have eternal life. And you know what happens? Some believe. And when they believe, they are a new creation. They're given the Holy Spirit. And now, they have a new love. 
They have a God they didn't know before that they now have a personal relationship with. What happens? They become followers of Jesus Christ. So, Pastor, why are you harping on this? Well, I think that's what the text is harping on here. Believers follow after Jesus. But you know, part of that process, and part of why this is so personal to me, is because sometimes there is a divide between when somebody trusts Christ as Savior and when they actually understand what life with Jesus is supposed to look like. So what, what is that called? Well, that's, that's called sanctification. It means we're growing in Christ-likeness. It be, means we're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. But you know, even believers, young in the faith, who are left out on their own, can, can just kind of sit out there and flounder. Even believers can sit out there and flounder and not know, what is the next step? What is it that I have to do? I remember as a young believer trying to figure out, what does God have for me? And I, I didn't really know where to turn. I remember asking Sunday school teachers, what does God say about this? And they didn't know the answer, so they said, well, pray about it. It's not particularly helpful. I mean, it's helpful, but not specific, right? Right? And even believers can be left to, to just flounder around. There's a process of sanctification where we grow. And there's an intentional process that Jesus himself took with those who were his followers. And that's called discipleship. And, and that's what the goal is and the plan is for 130 today. That, that's the goal and the plan for the discipleship training that we'll be going through. Why? Because we need it, first of all. We need to grow in our walk with the Lord. We need to apply truth to life. I could be a better disciple tomorrow if I submit to my God better than I was today. There's room for growth. We all have room for growth. But not only that... The, the second purpose of this training is not so much that we just grow individually, but that we take it and we help others. You know, one of, one of, the, one of the biggest areas that, that I saw growing up, and even in church, was that just like my Sunday school teacher, when I asked a question and they, they said, well, just pray about it, because they, they didn't know. They sincerely didn't know, and they gave the best answer they could. I'm not faulting them. But you know what would have helped them? Somebody along, coming alongside them and taking them through the word and teaching them those truths. You see, as believers, we have a responsibility to one another, to help each other, to encourage each other, and to build one another up. You don't follow Jesus to become a believer. You become a believer, and then you follow Jesus. And learning to follow Jesus, although he helps you and guides you, is not something that you can do devoid of the word of God and devoid of other Christians. We need others to help us along the way. So let's put this in context of our lives. First of all, we're all spiritually blind. 
right? Here is blind Bartimaeus, and he is actually physically blind, right? But the illustration here, what's being described is, is someone who, who, who is an illustration or a portrait for spiritual blindness. God of this world has blinded many. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. What, what happened? There are those who have been blinded by this world and by Satan who, who, are, who do not see the gospel clearly because he has distorted their thoughts and their minds. But you know, if you know the Lord Jesus today, there's something that happened. There's a change that happened. What is that? Well, you believed. It's, it's just that simple. John 20, verse 31 as John gives the reason for which he wrote the Gospel of John, says, But these are written, that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that, be- that believing ye might have life through his name. You want eternal life? Believe. Trust in Jesus the Son, the one who died on the cross for your sins, the one who shed his own blood, the one who took God's penalty on himself in order that you wouldn't have to pay it. So we believe, and that brings about a status change. When we believe, we're now saved. Romans 10.9 puts it this way, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, shalt believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so we believed and instantaneously we are saved in that moment. Salvation is full and free. It belongs to us. We need to look to no other. There was nothing we had to do. Jesus did it all for us on the cross. But you know, there's a fourth thing that comes after that. This doesn't have to do with salvation anymore. This is sanctification. Believers follow. Believers follow Jesus. They don't follow him perfectly, but they follow and I think of all those years after I trusted Christ as Savior, if you look back for, for years and years afterwards, I look back on that time and say, wow, what a mess. <laughs> and God was patient. And God was merciful. And he taught me. And he instructed me. And then he set others along to come alongside me. And, and even as I learned little bits and pieces here and there, it never actually all came together for me. <laughs> Until actually I went through a discipleship study. And then all of a sudden those little bits and pieces that I had thrown around, pieces of the jigsaw puzzle, little parts of truth, all started fitting together on that one foundation. And all of a sudden it started making sense. So, wow, this is what the Christian life is supposed to look like. This is what God would have for me. I encourage you so much to, to take these next steps that God would have for you. I want to challenge you just very briefly with this uh, discipleship com- study coming up, beginning at 1.30. I want to give one more um, thing in regard to that. So why are you doing this, Pastor? Because it matters. It matters. It matter to me. It will matter to others. Even if you can't come today, we'll, we'll record this. And so we'll have a video available. So I understand some of you may not be able to come today. But 
You say, well, Pastor, I, I don't see myself as ever sitting down with somebody and teaching or leading them through this study. Can, can I at least encourage you at this stage in your life to at least come and be exposed to it? Right? Coming to this does not mean that you have to go out and be a Bible study leader. Okay? Just, just coming and learning. And, and then you'll be aware of an opportunity that's available to you. Because there will be others here at Grace Baptist Church who will be equipped and prepared to lead that study. And even if it's not you leading it, at least you'll know what you can point others to and what's available in that regard. I trust this morning as we consider really a blueprint of what a disciple looks like, a model for us here from blind Bartimaeus. We'll take this truth and, and apply it in life so that we would seek to grow and be more like Christ and help others along the way. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word. Father, thank you that we, it's true that we can trust it, that, Lord, we, we have no reason to doubt what you have provided for us so clearly in Scripture. Father, as we think about our, 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 our Savior, as we think about Jesus, there is none like him. God, you are merciful. God, you care about those who so often we would just pass by. God, you use your word to change lives. Father, those who are spiritually blind, those who are dead in their trespasses and sin, you use the power of your word to make them alive. Father, help us just catch a fresh glimpse of how wonderful our salvation is. Father, we pray, too, that we would see that salvation is, is but a starting point of a new life in Christ. And that by day, day by day, we are to grow and change into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ. Father, that you would conform us into him, His image. Father, may we know that this process is not one that is grievous, but is joyous. It's not one where the yoke is heavy, but, Father, when we're with you, the, the yoke is light. There's so many all around us today who either don't know you. Father, perhaps they do, but they don't know living as a Christian even looks like. Father, would you just impress upon our hearts today the need that we would use your word to take the sword of the Spirit and use it to change lives for your glory. Father, we know that is your will. That is your desire. That is what you would have your followers to do, your children to do. Father, we pray as well, Lord, for anyone who is listening today, who has never believed, who's never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save them, we pray that today would be that day of salvation. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to give you a chance to respond. As pianist begins to play, I just want to ask you a, two simple questions. The first is this. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, I don't want to keep going down that path. 
I want to be part of his family. I want to be one of his sheep. I want to follow after him. I want to believe and be saved. I'd like to pray for you. I'm not going to call you out, but if that's you, would you just lift up your hand? I'd just love to pray for you as you take that next step. Second question this morning is also simple. Say Jesus has impressed upon my heart today the value of discipleship. Not just that it needs to happen, that as a follower, I need to be making other disciples. And I just ask the Lord to help me be better at that. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you to be more effective in this area. Any hands? Any hands? Heavenly Father, we do pray for those who today have committed to taking these next steps. Father, help them to grow spiritually. Help them to be strengthened. Father, help them to see needs around. Have boldness. To, to bring about opportunities to establish disciple-making relationships for your glory. Father, I thank you for those who have a desire to have and display greater love for others. Father, for those who are already going through this process, who are already making disciples, strengthen them, use them for your glory. Father, we pray that through it all, more and more people would come to Jesus Christ as Savior. We pray that through it all, more and more people would be greater servants and followers of you. Father, we pray that through it all, you would receive greater glory. Lord, we do pray these things all in Jesus' name. Amen.